The web's Michael Smith. It's episode 160 of the Canes cast, and you know what? What's that? Well, you got to get back up to speed. I think I know uh, something that can help us get back up to speed. Oh, what's that? Maybe a storm brewer? Oh, yes. Six? <laughs> or 12? Or 12 or 24. As long as we're drinking responsibly. Yeah, who says no? Uh, Stormbrew, it's the official beer of the Carolina Hurricanes and the proud sponsor of Canes Cast to just 97 calories and 2.4 carbs per serving. Yes. It's the perfect brew for all occasions. Absolutely. Like getting back to playing hockey. We enjoy that. And you can pick it up at any of your favorite area grocery stores. You can pick it up at Costco. And if they're not carrying our favorite beverage from R&D Brewing, you can ask for it by name, and I'm sure that they will find a way to get it to you. Crispy. Crispy. Delicious. Crushable. Tasty. All of those things that we've just said. Drink it in. And drink it down. Yeah. Storm brew. Drink it responsibly. Yes, please do. And uh, we thank them as being the sponsors here of Kane's Cast. And as we say, we've got to get back up to speed. Michael, as we know, the pause button was hit again for the Carolina Hurricanes, but this time due to COVID-19, uh, as there were some positive tests for Carolina Hurricanes players, which put this season on hold after just three games. Although the Hurricanes 2-1 and one in those three games with a win over Detroit and a win over Nashville. And now as we sit here and uh, it being a, a Wednesday, getting everybody set on the 27th of January for what will be lying ahead. You know, it's going to be a lot of games in a short amount of time for Carolina. So uh, the, the league's not going to wait for teams that have this. You're going to have to fill in the gaps where you can. And we know that the Canes have already done that. The schedule's laid out for where they're going to make up the games that they've missed, the two against Florida and presumably just one against Tampa Bay and the, the one against Nashville. So that's what's on everybody's mind. So we'll have Bill Berniston on, the strength and conditioning coach of the Carolina Hurricanes, to tell us how the Canes did stay at least in somewhat shape where you couldn't skate, you couldn't be around each other until the NHL okayed it for Carolina to get back on the ice. Yeah, it was kind of like... Um I mean, it was honestly kind of like the first pause where there was a lot of unknown uh, about what the future, what the immediate future might hold. Uh, the Hurricanes at least knew this time that they'd be in quarantine for um, for a week uh, until, um, you know, uh, until uh, tests continued to, co to come back negative and um, they were able to show that the uh, the virus was not spreading through the room as it uh, seemed to be. Uh, just over a week ago. Um, uh, so, yeah, I mean, the Hurricanes faced the challenge of trying to stay in game shape uh, three games into the season. And uh, that's kind of tough when you're when you're off for for so long, having not played uh, but just a handful of games, you know, in the playoffs, um, having not really played a, a regular season game since uh, last March, you come back. You have a week and a half of training camp. You play three games, and then all of a sudden you're you're shut down again. But um, it's what needed to happen uh, in order to f for all involved, uh, players, coaches, and staff, to to stay safe and stay healthy. Um, we kind of discussed last week uh, all the ramifications of that. We we debriefed the three games, uh, and now I think uh, with the news of this week, with the Hurricanes back on the ice as of Tuesday. Um, I think we can we can look ahead to the future, and um, you know, we probably all saw the news on Monday that the NHL uh, has uh, reshuffled the Hurricane yep. schedule and, and some other team schedules as well, uh, moving around six games on the calendar 
in order to make up the four games that were missed. Uh, those games dropped into both February and March, a couple games in each month um, to re- redistribute um, uh, those makeups. Uh, and, and what's what's ahead for the Hurricanes is 53 games in, in 101 days. Uh, and that's it's going to come fast and furious. Yep. And uh, there's not really going to be a break in the action, at least we hope that there's not a break in the action for uh, some other reason. The Central Division seems to be most affected early in the season by COVID-19, but hopefully um, that's behind the Hurricanes. Hopefully it's behind uh, some other teams that have experienced it as well, and we can just get back to some normalcy, which is playing hockey. Yeah, and I think that's what everybody is looking forward to. And, you know, I again, I'll try to be pragmatic about this, Michael. If there is a stoppage for the Hurricanes again this season, uh, I, I hate how this is going to be phrased, but hopefully it's not because COVID has impacted the Hurricanes. It, it would be an opponent. So uh, they wouldn't have to shut down everything. You know, you right. can still have practices and do the things that you need to do to stay sharp. But the best case scenario that we all are hoping for is this is it. It's done. And, and the Canes get to 56 games and uh, we go from there. But this is going to be, uh, I think, for a lot of people, an interesting read on where the Hurricanes are coming out of this because you do have Tampa and then Dallas. By the way, the the long layoff didn't seem to impact the Dallas Stars' start to the season. No, no, it certainly didn't. They came out of the gates firing. Um, and, yeah, the the Hurricanes' uh, timing perhaps not so great um, given the fact that they're now going to play uh, three games and four nights against the two teams that, that played for the Stanley Cup just a few months ago. Uh, and the Hurricanes are, are going to be shorthanded. Uh, Jordan Stahl practiced with the team on Tuesday, and the plan is, uh, assuming everything goes uh, smoothly uh, here before the game, the plan is for him to dress on Thursday. But the Hurricanes are going to be down yes. five NHL regulars. You yes. have Jesper Fast, Warren Fogle, Jordan Martinook, Jacob Slavin, and Tavo Teravainen all still on uh, the COVID-19 protocol list. Uh, and they're, the team's likely going to be without them for uh, at least through the weekend. Um, so you're going to be looking to some of the taxi squatters and perhaps even uh, some players from the Chicago Wolves to help fill in the gaps yep. uh, in the interim. But this is a, a big opportunity for those guys. And Let's face it, at some point this season, somebody from the taxi squad was going to get an opportunity to play uh, a couple of games in, in meaningful minutes. I am actually excited for the opportunity for a few players, one of them being Steven Lorenz, yep. who, think about it, in his first draft year goes undrafted, then he is a seventh-round pick for the Canes, and he's made himself into an NHL player. So there's going to be some big moments that are here for some of these young guys, and again, it's a chance for this organization to see how deep they are, some of the things that they have that they can work with. Uh, yeah, it's going to be wild for a lot of these guys because if you're called up from the AHL, you have to quarantine for seven days, right? That's the the number that it comes in right now. So it's not like the taxi squad guys who have been with the team since camp broke. They can just get called right back up. But this is going to be a, a big opportunity for some guys to make their NHL debut, get their opportunity, and see if they can help out the Canes. And again, I don't want to be all, oh, well, here's this silver lining for it. Um, the answer is always, well, you know, we'll find out. But if this was going to happen, I'd rather have it happen at the start of the season than in the middle of the season. 
because in the middle of the season, that can really disrupt things because you're going to have fewer opportunities to make up these games or you'll put yourself in a situation. The NHL has said they do not want to have a team play three games in three days, but I think if this happens in the middle of the season, you're going to start looking at teams at the end have to do that if everybody wants to get in 56. So, yeah, it's an opportunity for those guys, and it's also an opportunity for the guys who are on the roster to get themselves in other situations, maybe get more power play time that they never would get uh, previously. And, you know, this is one team we know that they pull on the rope in the same direction. So if, if they do that, we'll see how this goes through Tampa and in the weekend against Dallas and then a little bit beyond if, if it has to get to that, but hopefully it doesn't. Yeah, you're going to see some different looks uh, from the Hurricanes uh, here in these upcoming games because that's just kind of, uh, you know, those are the pieces they have right now. Um, you know, we can mention some lines that we saw in practice on Tuesday. Doesn't necessarily mean they'll be together yeah. uh, even on Wednesday in practice or even in a game on Thursday. But uh, but as of uh, as of the most recent practice that we've seen on Tuesday, um, the Hurricanes going with uh, Andrei Svechkov, Sebastian Ajo, and Brock McGinn on the top line. And, you know, we'll say one, two, three, four for lines, but uh, you, you know not to pay too much attention to that if if you've known anything about Rod Brennamore and the way he uh, deploys his lines and, and doles out minutes. Uh, Nino Niederreiter, Vincent Trocek, and Martin Natchez on the on the second line. Uh, Steven Lorenz, Jordan Stahl, and Ryan Dezingle on the third line. And that's, um, you mentioned Lorenz and uh, his NHL debut. He was uh, pretty much expected to make his NHL debut in Nashville Tuesday of last week, a, a week ago. Uh, but obviously that didn't happen. So he's had to push it off for a bit. I'm guessing, I'm guessing we'll hear from him at some point before uh, Thursday's game just to, to gauge his excitement level. But, yeah, you, you mentioned a guy who kind of just embodies what it means to be a Hurricane. Yeah, Rob Brindamore said that. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's it. He's it. And I think he has um, – I think he's got a, a bright NHL future ahead of him. I think he can be uh, one of those kind of just glue guy, yep. bottom six contributors um, that you can rely on night in and night out, both on and off the ice – I'm excited to see what he's going to be able to do with this opportunity because it is for him, for Jake Bean, who is likely going to draw in on defense with, yep. with Jacob Slavin out. Um, those are opportunities. These are opportunities for guys who um, who can perhaps prove themselves at this level and, and do it against some really good teams. Yeah, you, you bring up Jake Bean, that's going to be, you know, if we're going to put all the cards on the table, who am I most interested to see? how they take advantage of this moment. Jake Bean is the guy yeah. who I want to see does the the steps that he's taken in his career and the steps that he took last year in the AHL. You know, he was the the best defenseman in the AHL last year. He won the award. Does that maturity show up here in the National Hockey League? And when I say maturity, the steps taking the growth as a player. Does that take that next step here? And it's going to be a... You don't mean it, gray hairs. No, right? it's not going to be gray hair or anything <laughs> like that. or wis Well, well maybe wisdom, but yeah. uh, I'm, I mean, when Jacob Slavin is cleared to play, we know he goes back in the lineup. But Jake Bean, if he plays well in this sample size, and albeit it might be just a small sample size, but if he plays really well, he could force the issue on, you know, do the, the Hurricanes keep him around? Keep him in the lineup? You know, does yeah. that... Does that force somebody else to raise their game? Although I thought the decor was, even though it's three games, had been very good yeah. in the three games that they played. But it's an opportunity, again, for guys like that 
to make a mark on the coaching staff, make a mark on the organization. You know, and, and when you say that, make a mark around the league because, yeah. you know, if they play well, and, and that's only a, a plus. But, you know, the, the first three games that you're probably going to play, Tampa and, and Dallas, you know, one against Tampa and two against Dallas, is, is that's what the schedule is looking like. Uh, you're there, There's no time to learn in the kitty end of the pool. you you got to swim right away. You're yeah, going up against some of the best of the best. There's no tiptoeing into the water. It's no. straight into the deep end. Just cannonball it right in. And then so, you know, moving down the line chart, you have Max McCormick, Morgan Geeky, and as of Tuesday, it was Joakim Ryan, who is a defenseman, playing on that right wing. The team could opt to dress 11 defensemen since Ryan is a part seven of that taxi game. squad. Excuse me, yeah. seven defensemen, 11 forwards. Yeah, 11, 11 defensemen and seven forwards would be a very interesting strategy. Well, it just depends. I mean, the, the Hurricanes do have a deep defensive Yes, board, they do. So it's a bold strategy, Cap. Let's see how it plays out. Um, so you could opt to, you, you, you might see that 11 and seven look. Yep. Um, you could maybe see a forward like Drew Shore or Sheldon Rimpal uh, draw in on the fourth line. That's going to be a question I think is answered in uh, the next couple of days here, um, depending on what the Hurricanes want to do there. But yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be a different look for their lineup for what's going to be a strange and weird home opener here yeah. on Thursday. Yep. Um, you know, obviously it, it feels vastly different without fans. Well, there the are cardboard building. cutouts in the seats. There are. They're, they're a little stiff, though. Well, you know, they're waiting for the action to heat up. <laughs> Make some noise. I wonder if we'll hear that. I think we might. Oh, no. I've requested it. Okay. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll be but, looking for you then. But it is going to have a different feel to it. Um, you know, as, as we saw in Detroit, as we saw in Nashville, yep. it does feel to me, and I know it's only three games in, but it does feel a little different from the bubble because you are visiting uh, each of these arenas. There are at least player families in the stands. So while there's not a whole lot of crowd noise, uh, at least none that's uh, piped in, um, there is a little bit. There is a little bit of ambiance, a little bit of atmosphere um, that I think helps make this season feel different than the bubble, even though you don't have fans in most buildings, at least, uh, just quite yet. Obviously, the hope is... um, you know, maybe a couple months down the line, the Hurricanes will be able to have yep. some sort of capacity here at PNC Arena. But until then, uh, the cardboard cutouts are here. the The tarps are on the uh, the seats, and uh, the home opener is uh, is tomorrow. As of right now, as of uh, this morning, Wednesday, July, not July, <laughs> January. Wow! Wow! The layoff has hit you hard, my friend. I am time traveling, um, January twenty seventh. The Hurricanes' home opener is tomorrow. At long last, finally, it's here. Yes. Can't wait for it. Uh, first live game that I get to call on the television side. Yeah, I was going to say. I mean, you so far have not been able to call a game on television in the same building where the game happens. Correct. Yeah. That's got to be not very easy. I don't know. <laughs> Let, let's Let's hold off on any judgment until we get to it. So... I'm just taking it one game at a time. You might just revert back to the monitor because of old habits. Probably, yeah. <laughs> at some point, I'm just going to start looking down at the monitor. But, you know, take it one day at a time, win the day, go on and oh. Ah, That's the perfect transition into our guest here on Canescast. We caught up with Bill Berniston, who had a busy week uh, making sure the Hurricanes were staying on top of their physical fitness as best they could. Let's chat with them now. Here's Bill Berniston. Joining us, he is the strength and conditioning coach of the Carolina Hurricanes, Bill Berniston, one of our favorite guests 
uh, multiple appearances here on Kane's Cast. Always great to catch up with him. And, uh, of course, Bill, this year, I, I think maybe more than any others, is this going to be not just for you, but uh, anybody who's part of a training staff, maybe one of the most challenging years because you're going to have to be ready for, for things to come out of nowhere the way that we saw with the Carolina Hurricanes and basically the season gets put on hold for a couple of weeks. How how, how tough is it to know that you got to be on your toes pretty much all season long? Well, first off, appreciate you guys having me on again. Uh, it's always great talking to you guys. Um, you know, I miss seeing you uh, here in the, in the locker room and what have you. So, you know, being able to talk to you on the phone is, is I guess, the next best thing. So, appreciate that. So, anyway, Mike, just to answer your question, to be completely honest with you, I think we're prepared for whatever comes our way. We have a plan, and then you have to deviate from it. But a couple of weeks ago, Doug Bennett said to me, hey, what's your plan if we have to shut down? So I already had, you know, in my mind what I wanted to do, and then we just needed to go ahead and execute it. So the plan was already laid down, but it was certainly – you know, I'm thankful for, for guys like Doug Bennett, who are always forward thinkers and, and look at a whole bunch of different scenarios. Uh, and then, of course, you know, Rod had brought it up about a week ago, said, you know, what's going to happen? And actually, maybe a, little, maybe a week before it happened, you know, what's your plan in the event that, you know, something goes sideways? So, you know, we had it already thought out. and We already knew exactly what we wanted to do. And like I said, we just needed to go ahead and execute it. Uh, so, uh, you know, looking looking back at the week, uh, obviously the team uh, could not be on the ice. Uh, it was uh, a quarantine mandated by the league uh, to help curb the spread of the virus through the locker room. So what did you do um, to help as best as possible uh, the guys stay game ready? Yeah, the first thing that we did was very similar to what we did in March. Took an inventory of what equipment guys had and what availability they had. Um, to that equipment, obviously guys that have, you know, gyms in their apartment complexes and what have you, they couldn't use those. So we just needed to make sure that everybody had what they needed. And what we did was just kind of loaded them up in my truck and drove bikes around to guys who needed them for, for cardio. We took a whole bunch of dumbbells, made sure that everybody had at least one dumbbell that ranged from you know, we, we have these a system called power blocks, and basically one block can range from five pounds all the way to 50. Uh, I'm sorry, all, all the way to 90. So everybody had at least one of those um, at their disposal. And then really what we did was, based on our testing, we're able to individualize programs for every player. So then we moved to our online platform, and we made sure that we sent them their individualized program with that particular equipment, right? So with their bike and with, you know, a dumbbell, what is it that they needed to work on? So, for instance, some guys have to work on um, things that we refer to as braking forces. Some guys need to work on propulsive forces. So we actually developed their programs based on, on their needs and then what equipment they had. So we were able to push that out through our um, through our online platform. So that's that's how it works. Hey, Bill, are, are there still, and, and maybe I'm living in the, the 80s and 90s here, but are there certain 
things, exercises that uh, the, the players can do because you have to understand there's probably only a limited amount of space. So are we talking sit-ups and push-ups and things like that? I mean, is that part of a, a mandatory thing or are all those things that that's old school training? There's there's different ways to go about, you know, staying in shape and, and keeping like what you're saying, depending on, on what the athlete is getting them in shape or keeping them in shape or do we still get some some old school you know calisthenics and, and workout routines here no i think that all of those things have a place mike uh you know push-ups are are great uh we do a lot of variations of of our push-ups we'll do some isometric push-ups we'll do some eccentric push-ups so we'll have a whole bunch of variety uh in that it, it may not just be your regular you know how many how many can you pump out in a minute or anything along those lines? But those are great exercises. Those are things that, you know, can help muscle tone. Those can help, um, you know, maintain strength, all those types of things. But, you know, the, the things that we try to work on are our, our posterior chain. Some guys need work with single legs. Some guys need double leg work. Some guys need uh, a little bit more in different planes of motion. So it, it all depends on what their needs are. But those old school exercises, those still... They're still there. We still use them, and uh, they all have their, their place. This is already, um, you know, the schedule is is already pretty challenging from the standpoint that it is so tightly compacted, and now you're looking at a situation where the team's going to play 53 games in a 101-day stretch. Um, when you look at, at that workload, how do you uh, try to balance um you know, the stressors of the game with uh, knowing that there are going to be practices and, and morning skates and, and off-ice workouts? How do you manage that workload? Well, for us, the whole workload thing, we, we obviously we monitor that on a, on a daily basis. So we, we do that through our heart rate monitors and make sure that, you know, we're getting a, a good read uh, as to where our players are. And then we use something, as I think we spoke about on other podcasts, is this acute to chronic workload ratio. So we kind of know where our players are at all times, and we know we want to try to keep them within what we refer to as a sweet spot. So we either need to dial guys back or we need to make sure that we're pushing them forward. In this particular season, I think it's going to be more pulling guys back a little bit, uh, making sure that we use our off days appropriately, make sure that we use – different um, recovery protocols and things of that nature and, and just making sure that our guys are, are always, you know, ready to go there. We can overload them a little bit. That's, you know, this time of year, you know, we're not looking to peak right now. We're looking to peak in July. So those are the things that, that are most important for us. So we can still do some overload, but obviously we need to make, make sure that there's going to be, um, you know, appropriate recovery and, we manage all that. So I think it's going to be challenging. I think it's going to be different, but you know, we have an unbelievable staff here. So, you know, not only from our coaching staff, they, they want the feedback. They want to listen to, to the medical staff. They want to listen to the strength and conditioning staff. So those are all really, you know, important aspects of, of our team. And, you know, no one has a huge ego here. We're all here to help the athletes and making sure that we're, we're able to help them to perform at their absolute best. So, you know, those are the advantages that we have, I think, over other teams. And when you look at, um, you know, coming back from this this week-long pause, uh, what are the specific challenges uh, ahead of this team, just given that, um, 
you know, the, the, the team did return and, and play three games and then had to shut it down and, and couldn't be on the ice for about a week. Uh, and now you, the team has to ramp it up in a couple of days before playing three and four. What sort of specific uh, challenges are ahead uh, in that regard? Yeah, well, we're always concerned, um, you know, with our workload spiking. So when when that means that you you're just all of a sudden you, you go from a certain lower workload to a, a higher workload, but it spikes by more than you know ten or fifteen percent. Uh, so those are things that are concerns of ours, right? Because there's only so much you can do off ice, and no matter what we try to do off the ice, we can never really simulate what's going to happen on the ice. It, it's just a very difficult and unique, um, you know movement and and stress that the, the body's put on when you're you're on skate so we do the best we can um those are certainly the things that we're worried about are the spikes in our workload so that's something that we're gonna have to you know help pull guys back we're gonna help them recover as much as we can and obviously uh we'll, we'll see where we are you know at the end of the week here right we have a game on thursday we're playing saturday sunday and then we're off to chicago so you know, in the next couple of days, uh, we'll just have to really make sure that our, our guys are taking recovery seriously, which they are. We, we have an unbelievable group of guys, and everybody wants to, you know, pull in the same direction. And it's really, uh, like I said, a great, great situation for us. Bill, I want to circle back to something that uh, Michael asked you, but you've said it before uh, quite famously, and, and Rod Brindamore said it this year as well because of the schedule, but you have to use rest as a weapon where you cannot, you know, just work every single day. But when you say that term, what is, when you say rest as a weapon, does that mean, you know, you, you get 10 hours of sleep, 12 hours of sleep, you sit on the couch, or, you know, you're just not having a, a push-it kind of day. When you say rest as a weapon, what's the, the perfect kind of idea for a rest day for these guys during, especially what they're going to go through this year? Well, you know, it's not all about, you know, we, we often talk about, Mike, that, you know, we're in the rink for, let, let's say, you know, you have an hour-long practice, you're, you're here for, you know, let's say three hours, right? It's really not about the three hours that you spend here. It's about the other 21. What are you doing? How well are you sleeping? How well are you eating? Are you taking care of your nutrition, um, you know, from, from many aspects? And then also, are we doing our soft tissue work? So those are the things that really count. It's the other 21 hours that really make a difference in, in how we're going to perform. Uh, some people may argue and say that that's not necessarily true, but I'm a firm believer of it. I know our medical staff is as well. So we need to just make sure those guys are eating appropriately. And you know, with our help of um, you know our, our nutritionist, she does an unbelievable job. Um, you know, Kristen, you know, is always on call for us. She, she helps us any way we can. She's there for the guys. So we, we do have that taken care of pretty well. Uh, and then Mike, everybody's a little bit different from, from sleep, right? There, there's some guys that need more than others. Um, but just making sure that you're getting that quality sleep and making sure that you're taking care of, um, the little things that help you sleep better, right? Where, you know, you're making sure that your room is, is cool, making sure that it's dark, making sure that we're staying away from electronics prior to, um, you know, getting to bed, making sure that we're uh, not drinking caffeine prior to going to bed. All those little things that, that add up, those are, um, those are important from a recovery standpoint because we all know that's when we recover, when we sleep, right? So that's 
probably the number one factor. And then you have nutrition and then we have our soft tissue work. So coming in and, you know, having our massage therapist or our athletic trainers working on, um, you know, the, the soft tissue aspects are, are really important. And that's what we, we mean when we talk about recovery. And there's also active recovery too, right? So it's not all just about these passive types of things, but getting up and moving a little bit, um, you know, making sure that we're getting a, a our blood flowing through our system. Those are all good things from a recovery standpoint, working on mobility and flexibility. So it doesn't mean that we need to, you know, go get an unbelievable workout where, you know, we're huffing and puffing and, and our heart rate is elevated, but just getting, you know, some work done um, can, can really help. On the other side of it, we know that hockey players are notorious for being tough guys, playing through pain, playing through injury, but this year, is it more important? Because when you use the word soft tissue, I think we're going to hear that word, that term a lot this season. But if a guy has something, even if it's a, a small thing, how important is it for them to tell you, to tell Doug Bennett, uh, the, the head trainer, that, hey, I, you know, this doesn't feel right or something feels a little bit off instead of trying to play through something this year with the way that everything is so gonna, going to be so compacted from here till we get to the end of the season? Yeah, it's, it's super important. We want to make sure that we're taking care of those little things, you know, before they become big things. If you go ahead and look, I, I don't know the statistics, Mike, but, you know, when, last time I, I looked, there were quite a few soft tissue injuries going on, more so than normal in the NFL, right? Because there was no training camp. There was a limited training camp. There was limited, um, you know, work in the summertime, OTAs and what have you. So when you look at that, there was just a, an, from what I understand, like a, just a astronomical number of uh, soft tissue injuries, particularly to like Achilles tendon, hamstring, things of that nature. So, um, you know, we're anticipating that there could be more here as well um, with us in the NHL. So we want to just make sure that guys communicate with us. We want to make sure that, you know, we do the all the right things that are going to, you know, help them recover, as we talked about, and, and take care of those little bumps and bruises so i think it's super important that guys communicate that with us so you played uh basically like a fitness santa claus delivering <laughs> bikes to players around raleigh last week but what else did you do to to stay busy uh in your time away from the rink well there's a well there are a couple things you know first off um you know Obviously, just making sure that we were staying on top of our guys, you know, seeing if they needed anything. Um, we, we did have two Zoom classes. Uh, Lucy Gardner did an unbelievable job of doing a bar three class for the entire team. And to be honest with you, my boots are still bothering me today. Um, but it, it was just phenomenal. And, and, you know, just to speak on that a little bit, it, I think all the little things that we do um, – you know, kind of help our, our players, but this sense of family that we have here is, it's really unique, I think. Maybe I'm wrong, but it's just, you know, Jake reached out to me and said, hey, Lucy would love to do this, you know, help our, us out and get us going, you know, let me know if there's any interest. You know, so we have players reaching out to us to see how they can help the team. Like that, that to me, you know, speaks volumes of the culture that we have here. And then we did another um, class on, on Sunday. It was more of a mental conditioning class with uh, our sports psychologist, Dr. Hack, where uh, we did some uh, some mindfulness 
activities, and we also talked a little bit about uh, visualization and just something that can help give our players an edge. Um, so those are some of the things that we put together for them as well. Uh, but, you know, the other things that I have going on, Mike, are I'm still working on my doctorate at uh, UNCG. So that semester started, so I had to bang out some, some academics. And to be honest with you, you know, just stayed pretty low at home, obviously, um, you know, in quarantine, just trying to prepare for the, the upcoming week, which is that's where we are now. At the same time, Bill, like you said, you were talking about this last week and kind of we're putting a, a game plan together. Uh, hopefully this doesn't come back to the Carolina Hurricanes and hopefully we just get to 56 games. But do you now have maybe more of a, a comprehensive playbook for, okay, if, if we have a stoppage, if it's not due to the Canes because, you know, it could hit another team and, and impact uh, what, what the Hurricanes have to do, do you feel that maybe you, that you and, and Doug Bennett have a better playbook for if this happens, how we're going to attack it, how we're going to approach, you know, sitting out for a couple of days where we don't have maybe the, the maximum usage that we want? Yeah, for sure. You know, honestly, Mike, I mean, I, I hope it doesn't happen to anybody, but if it does, I hope, you know, it is another team because I, I certainly wouldn't have to go deliver bikes to everybody. You know, even though we're not playing, um, even though we're not going to be playing games because of somebody else's, we still should be able to use our facility. So guys should still be able to skate. Guys should still be able to work out. So, I think that's a different scenario, but you're right. If it does happen to us again, we definitely have a playbook, and, and we know what worked and what didn't work. And, and to be completely honest with you, I think it went really well. You know, guys were engaged. Guys were, you know, reaching out, um, seeing if we can change programs or um, if we had any other suggestions, things of that nature. So, you know, we definitely have a playbook, and we definitely have a plan. So, we're you know, from that standpoint, I think – you know, we're going to use that to our advantage if, in fact, we have to uh, get into that scenario again. Bill, we always appreciate the time. Uh, I will admit I, I had a fond image of you dressed in a red suit delivering bikes to everybody as uh, Berniston Claus to make sure that everybody got all of their fitness wishes uh, during all of this to stay in shape. And we know this, the team will be whenever the puck drops. The team, because of the, the guys who don't get enough credit, the training staff for the Carolina Hurricanes, make sure that this team is pulling the rope in the same direction. We know they'll be ready when uh, play resumes here for the Hurricanes. Yeah, for sure. Well, appreciate you guys having me on, and uh, hopefully we'll talk soon, guys. Thanks, Bill. And, hey, before you go, are you coming to us live yep. from the Carolina Hurricanes locker room? <laughs> I'm actually coming to you live from my office. For sure. And, you know, every time you guys play that, it just goes right through me. I, I can't tell you how much I dislike that. There are some things that you have to learn in life. Like when you're around a microphone, it, it might be live. So, and I think our, our listeners love it. The people who tune into the podcast absolutely love it whenever we reference Bill Berniston. And we know that you're coming to us live from the Hurricanes locker room. <laughs> well, appreciate it, Mike. We'll, uh, I'm trying to make you feel better we'll, about what has become something that is now a staple, <laughs> a of, the staple of the podcast. <laughs> well, like I'm you, all about being staples. You know, consistency wins. I get that, right? There's a couple of things that we need to make sure that we're doing every day to go 1-0. and You know, one, champions are in bed by 930, so I'm hoping that you guys are working on that. And, you know, the other thing is just doing all the, the little things that, that are going to help us go 1-0. and if, if I can help you, 
you know, feel a little bit better about that, Mike, I'm good. But, um, and I appreciate you trying to make me feel better about it. That's what it's all about. We're here to pick each other up. That's how we win the day. There's no I in team. I love it. Let's go one and zero. Yep, I got you. You got it. <laughs> all right. All right. Thanks, Be well, Bill. Boys. Thank you. And that was. This is Bill Bernstein coming to you live from the Canes locker room. I don't know why he doesn't enjoy that. It's such a good drop. That's a great drop. It's one of our best. It's become woven into the fabric of this podcast. And he was indeed. Well, well, he was adjacent to the locker room. Well, in his office. His office is adjacent to the locker room. That's which true. Technically, if we said where was Bill Berniston, and if one of us answered, we'd be in the room or in the locker room. That's not incorrect. Lots of good information there from from Bill. Um, you can see that they tried a lot of different things to, to keep the guys engaged. Yeah. You know, there was that bar class that the Lucy Gardner ran. Which, by the way, how in, in not trying to be, oh, golly gee shucks, but when Bill says it, it kind of shows like, you know, this team's a family, that there's that, that somebody has this idea. And, you know, Jake Gardner's wife's like, hey, you know, I'll, I'll do this if, if the, the guys are interested in it. And yeah. you had uh, a, enough buy-in where, yeah, let's do this. And that's the other thing, that this team – they, they push each other. They, they want to make sure that they're getting the absolute best. There's no resting on laurels. There's no, ah, we don't need to do this. This team understands that. And I think part of it does, when we always say, when I always get asked, it starts with Rod Brindamore. But that culture has been set from the coach down. We're, the buy-in is complete from the training staff, be it Doug Bennett or Bill Berniston, to the equipment managers, Bob Gorman, George Alves, to, to everybody who's around the organization. The buy-in is total, and you know this was a team that wasn't looking at this as a holiday. Uh, this was a team that was looking at this as okay. What are we going to do to make sure that when we're we're on the green light to get back to playing, that we're not playing catch up with our conditioning? That we've just got to get back on the ice and, and get ready to play. So I thought that that was a cool thing to hear. It was a cool thing that they did, and yeah. again, no surprise that this organization is willing to do things to try to keep them you know, in shape or, or ready to go. Yeah, and if you're ever in uh, Adina, Minnesota, that's where Lucy Gardner's Bar 3 studio is. So drop by and check it out. Maybe do a bar class. Bill said it, he was still a little sore from it today, and that's, uh, that's a few days removed from it. Yeah. I've, not, uh, I've not ever tried it, but I do imagine it's quite the workout. Yeah. I imagine if I tried it, I would be sore until the end of the season. <laughs> Just a little, little rusty over Maybe here. that's a good idea for a television segment. At some point, <laughs> bar with Mike and Trip. No, we'll have we'll have Trip do it because if <laughs> if I hear Trip talk about how his pants are are getting a little little snug one are they more still time, a little snug? yes, yeah. yes, yes, nonstop. Well, as long as a you know a button doesn't fly no, off it on won't television, fly off. He's he's in <laughs> tremendous shape. Yeah, he is. And I'm trying to tell him like he's adding muscle because he he rides the bike further than anybody on any stage of the Tour de France every day. Yeah, more than Lance Armstrong has ever ridden. I'm pretty sure he gives well he gave Lance a a good you know and Trip doesn't au naturel. He's on I mean, bike. he does it naturally, not au natural. I don't want to know how Trip rides the bike. <laughs> and this segment has clearly taken a turn that well, I did not want it to. He is on the ball. Yeah, good for that. All right. Moving on. Yeah, let's do it. Thank um, you. Oh, I have uh, I have this for you, if you will. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. That, one of the players who are making their debut or are drawing into the Canes lineup during this stretch. Si, senor. Someone will get their first NHL goal. Yeah, I'll take it. Uh, I liked, you know, when 
when it was looking like Lorenz was going to have to make his NHL debut in Nashville, I I kind of had a feeling that that he might he might get one. He's just got he's got a nose for the net. He he hunts pucks down, uh, and I think if he plays on a line with Jordan Stahl and Ryan Dezingle, you know those are those are two guys who can get him the puck. Those are two guys who are going to uh, put the puck on net, and he can get to the greasy areas and and bang one in. So yeah, uh, I like. Uh, I like maybe his chances of getting an NHL goal. How neat would that be too to to follow up uh, the performance that Morgan Geeky had in his first NHL game? Uh, you know, follow that up with with a uh, maybe a two goal performance. Geeky set the bar high. He set it maybe a little too high for everybody else. Hey, but hey, I I like Stephen Lorenz's chances for uh for maybe potting his first NHL goal. Maybe Jake Bean gets one. If he uh, draws into the lineup, which it looks like he is, he was paired with with Hayden Fleury in practice on Tuesday. Uh, yeah, I, I'll take it because uh, I I think the odds when you look at who the Hurricanes are going to have in the lineup, the odds are, uh, you know, aren't bad that that one of those players might uh might net their first NHL goal. Yeah. Uh, by the way, Max McCormick does have NHL goals because he uh, potted six of them when he played for the Ottawa Senators. So when Canes fans are like, well, you know, Max McCormick, what do we know about him? He does have NHL experience. He does. So I believe, what, 76 games worth, somewhere around there. Um, so a few goals there. So you've got a guy who knows what to expect from playing in the National Hockey League. But I, I think that, you know, I'm putting that out there. And as you know, I, I rarely comment on my, uh, if you like it, you can keep it. But yeah. I, I think we are going to get a first NHL goal for somebody. And when you look at you know the other players who could possibly draw in, Drew Shore, uh, 94 games of NHL experience with uh, three different teams, Florida, Calgary, and Vancouver. Uh, and Sheldon Rimpel played seven games with the Kings in 2018-19, but didn't score a goal. So if he gets into the lineup, there's a third player who could perhaps uh, find the back of the net for his first in the NHL. Um, and it would be cool to see that. Uh, it's always a, it's always a good story to see, uh, you know, when someone, when that happens yeah. in someone's career. I mean, obviously, you wish that it could be in a building full of fans and the the energy and the joy of that. But your first NHL goal could be played in front of one million people or one person. Yeah. It's still going to be you'll never your first it. NHL goal. And I'm with you for the electricity of, you know, the fans being there and having that moment. But honestly. Uh, from what we have been told by so many players, when they're on the ice, you don't really notice the crowd. It's it's the after effect. Where well, that would be cool, but uh, I'm sure that if you can get our good friends here at PNC Arena to make some noise. I might be able to. They can simulate that. Yeah. We'll crank it up. Do you have one? I've We've got some from uh, some oh, listeners. My, you've had how much time? I don't want to take away from all the, the fine work that oh. the listeners have done. Uh, so we'll get to some from them because we have... You You literally had days off. No days off. It's okay. <laughs> All right. Let's get to some voicemails because we have a few uh, that we, we didn't get to last week. So uh, Sure. Here's one now. Hey, Mike and Michael. It's Stephen Blackman, also known on Twitter as Mr. Kaniac 22 I've got two questions for your next episode. For the first one, if you like it, keep it. If you don't, send it right back. Justin Williams will be inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame by 2026. And secondly, um, 
Do you believe he will have his number retired by the herd? Thanks. I love your podcast and go Canes. Go Canes. All right. Thanks, Thanks Stephen. Yeah, appreciate that. Let me uh, – I'll take the first part. So in, wow. the, in the Hall of Fame. Somebody's, yeah, somebody's – no, well, I wanted to put an asterisk next to it because you don't have one, so I'm going to answer this the way I want to. Okay. Because you, you could have come up with one. You were on a plane at some point in time. You could have – I was asleep on pondered plane. one. Golly day. Uh, but in this situation, I will take it, but I don't want to put a time stamp on Justin Williams getting into the Hall of Fame because I think he's going to be one of those players. It's ridiculous, but we, we see it with the head coach of the Carolina Hurricanes. I was just going to say 2026 is five years from now. Is Rod Brindamore in the Hockey yeah. Hall of Fame by 2026? So – the reason why I don't want to timestamp it in what five years is the, the the waiting period or is it three years now for the Hockey Hall of Fame? I forget. The reason why I don't want to timestamp this is because Justin Williams is one of those players. He's a Hall of Famer in my eyes. But I can see that there is a debate as to does he get in when he's you know right away eligible or does somebody else have to go in before him? But based on the postseason alone, you have to let him in. And this is one of the things that I use for is a player a Hall of Famer or not? Is a coach a Hall of Famer or not? Can you write the story of the league without saying their name? And I got that from an old boss who I used to work uh, work for in on the radio side, and he said he actually got that from people who he talked to about uh, the, the Hall of Fame voting. I think it was for the NFL, or Peter King might have said it for the NFL. It's if I wrote a book about the history of the NFL – do I leave this person's name out of it? So I don't leave Rod Brindamore's name out of the history of the National Hockey League. That's why he should be a Hall of Famer. And I will not leave Justin Williams' name. Because if you talk about the playoffs in Game 7s, his name will be talked about forever. And that's one of those things where you can say, well, isn't that enough? No, that's the stuff that needs to be enshrined. In. It's the Hall of Fame. You, you elevated uh, the play of the league and those around you. So he gets in. I just don't know if I'm going to say 2026. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'd probably, with that timestamp, I'd probably send it back. Um, and for the number retirement, I don't know about that either. Which number do you retire? Well, that's just it. That's <laughs> the, if if there had been, it's that's the tough thing here with Carolina. Uh, there are a lot of players who people talk about retiring the number, and I, I kind of would like to see the Hurricanes go down to have their own Hall of Fame. Yeah, like Where, a ring of honor. Or yeah, something. with what, you know, the, the Flyers have it. And in football, we know that football teams everywhere have it. You can have one of those things. And for the Hurricanes, uh, Michael just asked a really good question. Which would you retire, uh, the 11 or the 14? Yeah. He had his his fingerprints are all over this franchise for his both, both stints here. It merits consideration, but he's one of those things where just create a, a Hurricanes Hall of Fame, and he's on the first ballot for that. Yeah. I, I He is going to stick around the game and stick around the team, I think. Oh, yeah. Um, so it's – yeah, he, he's not going anywhere. And, and his contributions, whether they're, you know, formally recognized with a number in the rafters yeah. um, or not, uh, are exceptionally noted uh, with, with this franchise. And, and as you said, with the league as a whole. Yeah, so. and, and again – the, the thing for Justin Williams is his his stints everywhere in the league. You know, he played a long time in this league, but it was, you know, it wasn't 10 years in, in Philly and then 
dividing up, you know, the, the rest of his career amongst other stops. Everywhere he stops, you know, Los Angeles. This is a great question for Los Angeles. He won the Con Smythe yeah. for the Kings and, and helped them win Stanley Cups. Like, is that a number that – are they thinking about retiring his number there? Clearly, there are other guys who are on that team that people will look at, like Jonathan Quick and Drew Doughty and, and Anji Kopitar, players like that. But Justin Williams had as much to do with them winning Cups as, as those players did. Yeah. And, yes, what he's done in this this organization is amazing. Uh, it's, it's a good question. Uh, we'll see. But, uh, Michael, which would you uh, retire, the 11 or the 14? Uh, I mean, you could you could make an argument for both. He won the cup here wearing 11, uh, but he was a captain when he was 14. So I'd, I'd retire the 14. I would probably, when you look at his impact on this franchise as a whole, I would say his impact wearing number 14 was probably larger. Yep. He undoubtedly played... As great as that run was through the playoffs in 06. Right, yeah, and he undoubtedly played a role on that team, but I think, you know, perhaps there were other players who... yeah, You know, I, I don't want to take away from the impact he yeah. had, um, but when you look at the impact he, as a person and as a player, had wearing number 14 here, yeah. I think that's going to be felt for years yeah. to come. 14 would be the number that I would, if if that goes on. Hey, Mike and Michael. It's Mike over here in Rocky Mountain, the uh, unofficial tri-host of the Cancast, coming to you live from Nash County. A uh, question for you. Watching the game from last night against Detroit, was that the first time the Hurricanes have ever started a season out with a shutout? Kind of interesting to know. All right, y'all have a good one. Talk to you soon. Well, Mike, uh, yeah, being named Mike, I, I think uh, – does just make you a, a host of Canes cast, maybe even honorary. an employee of the team. An honorary. An honorary employee of the Hurricanes. Yeah, or honorary co-host, co or in this case, tri-host. Tri but I have to keep reminding him, he's not, while well, he's calling, the call is live, but he's not coming to us live on the show. Well, that's it's true. It's recorded, which yeah. is fine. But it's we like, can say plausibly live, which I'm fine with that. It's like Bill Berniston. He's coming to us live from the Hurricanes locker room all the time. This is Bill Berniston coming to you live from the Canes locker room. Exactly. So Mike's coming to us live from Nash County. Rocky Mount, good spot. Uh, Mike, yes, that was the first time in Hurricanes team history that the team has had a shutout on opening night. Sean Burke did it for the Whalers. Uh, so not the first time in franchise history, but the first time in Hurricanes team history, if that makes sense. Yes, it does make sense. Because okay. he asked for the Hurricanes. We said it's never happened for the Hurricanes, but it has happened for the Hurricanes organization vis-a-vis -vis the Whalers. That's correct. You're welcome. Mike, Michael, Matthew Redvin again. Thanks for taking my voicemail last week. Like it, keep it, take it, send it back. Nino Niederreiter, in every press conference, his favorite line is at the end of the day. If you like it, keep it. If you don't, send it back. He will say that 300 times in every interview, in total interviews this year. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Oh, so he's going to say it 300 times in interviews this year? <laughs> because that's not a like it. It's not a like it, keep it. There was a lot going on there Matthew had for us. Uh, that the like it, keep it isn't. Is that his favorite phrase? That is. Like, he, he will say that. Yeah, I will take that as yeah. yes. 
I will take it as yes. He will <laughs> will say it probably 300 times this year. He'll say it a lot. Who's going to keep tally? Huh. I, I, it doesn't matter, even if he doesn't. He is such a happy person he is, to yeah. be around. So he could he could say whatever he wants to for his phrase. And remember, folks, this is one thing. Can I throw this one out? A little sidebar? Sidebar? Can I be real? Oh, okay. Be real. Can I be real? Be real. real. So... As you know, Michael, you talk to players and you get their words in print. So yes. often when there is a a catchphrase or a crutch phrase, you can omit it yeah, if I, you want I, to. I, I edit those out. You don't have to put them in there. But when I was doing the, the live TV interviews and people would always ask, well, you need to ask a question like this or ask a question like that, I have to remind folks, English is not the first language of a good portion of the Carolina Hurricanes. So, Sebastian Ajo, as good as his English is, Tavo Teravainen. Very good, both of them. As good as his English is. Nino, as good as his English is. Andrei Svechnikov, whose English has taken leaps and bounds this year. Yeah, I think it might be better than mine. Yeah, it's better than mine, I can tell you that. He's he's coming for my job. Absolutely, brother. (laughs) But... English is not their first language, so for them, if they have a phrase that they say often, it's just kind of a reset for them to process how they are going to give the answer to a question. So as much as I would love to do the 60 Minutes Mike Wallace interview, you also have to understand you've got them for about 70 seconds, 90 seconds max and you have to ask them questions that you can get a clear answer from where they're not trying to search for the words in English to get there. Yeah, and they're probably breathing heavy because they just got off the ice. Probably. <laughs> and also, for the English-speaking guys, me included, <laughs> you, you, uh, you want to ask uh, the, the right questions, but just remember that English, for a lot of these players, is not their first language. So... If there is a word or something that they say a lot, they're trying to come up with the the answer that is acceptable to give. Is they're honking the horn on the Zamboni for us? I think that's a that means it's a time for another voicemail. So that was it. Was that an okay sidebar? I just wanted to get that out there. Yeah, I think that works. Okay, thank at you. the end of the day, thank you. And at the end of the day, we just have to get another call. Hey, this is Daniel. Love the show. Only thing that would be better is if it was every day. Uh, I have two questions. One, do you think there's a future for Justin Williams in coaching? Hopefully so with the Hurricanes. And two, say someone comes up from the taxi squad, what do they have to do to be put down, to go back down to the taxi squad? Thank you. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you, Daniel. Hopefully the Hurricanes will... uh not have to put anybody down. Thank you. Oh, yeah, absolutely not. And by the way, we also haven't said hi to many people who've called today. So hi. Just wanted to get that one out of the way. Yeah, we might as well. Um, well, thanks, Daniel, for uh, for the kind words. Uh, I would love to do the the podcast every day. Yeah, it would just it would have to be a lot shorter. I think. Yeah, it, we would pare this down. It'd be like a ten minute thing. No. 20, twenty minute thing. Twenty minute thing. Thirty minute thing. Thirty five minute thing. <laughs> Turns 40, into, oh, forty hey, here five we are. minute. We're at thing. an hour already. Well, here um, we go again. Let's, do I think there's a future for Justin Williams in coaching? Yes, uh, there's a future for Justin Williams in whatever he wants to do. Yeah, there's a future for him in hockey, 
whatever he wants to do. Yeah. If he wants to be a coach, he'll be a coach. If he wants to be a, a part DJ. of the front office, yeah, whatever he wants. <laughs> there, there's no limit to what he is capable of. If he wants to be a strength and conditioning coach. Sure. Sorry, Bill. Maybe they can tag team it. Exactly. Co. Um, and then taxi squad, uh, it kind of depends. Um, you know, if, if, if a player needs waivers, if he requires waivers uh, to go to be assigned to the AHL, then he has to clear waivers in order to be assigned to the taxi squad. Um, the, the way around that that I think um, a lot of teams might use is doing emergency recalls. Yep. Um, so that allows the player to come up and play uh, a set number of games without then having to clear waivers to go back down to the taxi squad. For someone like Morgan Geeky, he doesn't have to clear waivers, so the Hurricanes are kind of able to just move him from yeah, the taxi can... squad to the roster and back without, uh, with only just a, a couple of uh, paperwork. Yeah, they could. Yeah, they could yo-yo him back and forth between taxi squad and NHL roster if that's the case. Good answers, Michael. Oh, good question from our uh, our friend Daniel, Daniel, who enjoys the show. Thank so you, th- Daniel. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you. John Hatcher, just wondering why they're taking the clock off the TV screen at the end of each period. It's uh, that's about when we need to see it the most. Thank you. That's well, an astute observation. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I, I agree 100%. So when I was... Um, so obviously, since I'm traveling with the team, I'm in uh, these arenas. I'm not seeing the broadcast. I went back to watch um, the first game uh, during our off day in Detroit on Friday, and I noticed that. And So did I. Correct. And for someone like you, who has to rely on the monitor to call the game, I was like, uh-oh, this... <laughs> This isn't going to be good. If there was a camera just on me, froze. if there was a camera on me, when I look at, I'm like, the clock's not moving and the puck's going. Yeah. I'm like, okay. And nobody's like, nobody's on the ice is like, hey, start the clock, start the game. It's not like they forgot. Yeah. It just, some wires got crossed and. It, it happened in Detroit. So yeah. um, I, I don't know if it's something to do with how the, the scoreboard ties into because the things that you see up in the corner. You know, with the score, it's called a score bug. Yes. And there's programs, software, where the bug is tied into the clock in the arena. Well, if there is a problem with that, and it happened all six periods (laughs) in Detroit, where for whatever reason, clock was fine, and it would get to the last minute of play, and it would stop working. It just panicked. So to answer your question... Uh, yes, why did it yeah. stop? I would love the answer to we're that question. We're still searching for answers, John. So, uh, didn't get anything other than a technical error from Little Caesars Arena. Yep. That uh, hopefully will be fixed the next time the Hurricanes go back to Detroit. Pizza, pizza. Hey, guys. My name is Martha, and I'm calling from Dallas, Texas. And I was wondering which non-Canes player... From this season, have you had the hardest time learning to pronounce their name? Thanks, guys. Have a great week. Well, thanks, Martha. I think this question is for you. Well, could be for you as well. Maybe. I don't you can ta- jump I'd... in on a Zoom call and talk to these folks. That's true. Uh, one that's always been tough. It's not just this year, but uh, he plays for Detroit. Valtteri Filpula. Yeah, it's kind of a... For years, I could never, I could never get that right. Uh, so you break that down, but now luckily, uh, that's good. Uh, Philip Hero- Heronic, I knew it was Heronic, but I 
uh, wrote my phonetic spelling and my H looked like a N, so it was ironic uh, on one. Uh, I, I'm going to throw my friend Trip Tracy under the bus for this one because he said I could. <laughs> so it's Philip Forsberg uh, for the Nashville Predators. And we were coming back and he goes, well, Philippe is, and I went, did you just say Philippe? And you kind of do a thing as a broadcast tandem. You want to say the name the same way as your partner does. So for the second period, I'm like, well, Philippe Forsberg, right? You know, because that's that. <laughs> End of the period, I get it, you know, from a, a Preds fan. It's Philip, And I'm like, I knew it was Philip, but I went against my better nature. And uh, I went back. So try to make him French instead of uh, being a Swede. Philippe Forsberg. But, you know, as far as the names go, you know, and, and to try to get ready for the start of the season, uh, there's a pronunciation guide that the NHL provides. Yes. And, you know, it's I only have to really worry about seven teams. And yeah. there has been nobody that I have looked at because I've looked at every team's roster. Uh, there hasn't been a, a name that I've looked at and went, ooh, that's going to be, you know, real tough for me to get to. First off, any difficult names that the Tampa Bay Lightning would have, we've heard them all for a long time. So, yeah. you know, their pronunciation – uh, Chicago has a couple of players that are, are going to be in the lineup who are our new faces, but you know, the old, the old names, the old guard you have all right there. And it's, it's pretty, pretty simple, pretty flat out like that. So, you know, just looking at everybody, uh, you're in Dallas, Martha's in Dallas. So, you know, Essa Lindell or Miro Heiskanen, you, you kind of get the names ready to go and just come in. Who Dobin? <laughs> well, we, we had him. Who? Yes. <laughs> Who? Who? Dobin? Who Dobin? Uh, yeah, well, seeing that uh, Anton was here, familiar with that. So uh, I, I'm not going to say that uh, there are no names that I struggle with or uh, will be, you know, a a difficult say when the puck is moving. But yeah, uh, there are a lot of resources that help you through it. Well, if you said his full name, Vladislav Nemestikov, that's kind of a mouthful. Nemest- too. And there's the N in there. Right. So it's Nemestinkov. Mm-hmm. But it just turns into Nemestikov yeah. really fast as you're going. And just shorten it to Vlad. Yeah. <laughs> Vlad Nemestikov. That's what a lot of a lot of people do. One last uh, phone call here. Hello, Mike and Michael. It's me, the guy from the couch. And here's my question. Now, well, here's not my question. Actually, pretty happy the game got postponed today. Because it looked like we were not going to have Stahl and Teravinen, which is terrible for our penalty kill. But, talking about the offensive side of the puck today, I feel like the Hurricanes are going to have four. So this is a like it, keep it. If you don't, send it right back. Four 50-point scorers this season. And uh, I'd like to hear who you think the four might be. Or, if you send it back, I feel shame, but then I say it gets set free. So, let's go from there. Love, the guy on the couch. Oh, good to hear. Good to hear from the guy on the couch again. A question, not question. A question, not question. I'm still processing all of it. One of these. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. 450-point scores. 450-point scores. I don't want him to feel shame, but I'm going to send it back. Okay. I think there there'll be three. I don't think there'll be four. Sebastian Aho, Tevo Teravinen, and Andrei Svechnikov. One, two, three. Yeah, yeah. That's probably. I mean, even though Teravinen is going to miss a couple of games here, three games. Um, 
You're talking, basically, you're talking a point-per-game player yeah. from three guys. I don't know how many teams in the league have that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's going to be, it, having it from four would be would be tough. It would be tough. I It's because, you know, assuming that 56 games are going to get played uh, and that four players are going to ideally play 56 games, yeah, I mean that's uh that's pretty good production for the whole season. Obviously the Hurricanes would would love it and would gladly take it if that uh uh if that happened, but I I think 3 is probably more likely. And I don't mean to shame you guy on the couch. No, no no shame right there. All right, it's just just to put this in perspective. Last year there were just trying to go with how many games played. So will be a little bit different because of, you know, the averages that you have. But just trying to put this in, in that kind of perspective, how many teams had players who were over, you know, a point per game? There weren't a ton. Uh, just to, to put it said, I mean, yeah, you had Dreisaitl and McDavid in Edmonton, and then you had with David Posternock with 90 and 95 in Boston. But these are... This is just a tough thing to do when you're talking about multiple players doing that. Like I'm just scrolling down right now. You know, Edmonton had the players at one and two in the league at uh, one ten and ninety seven. So you figure, oh, there's got to be a third guy in there, right? Who's a point per game player for Edmonton? Their their next uh, next highest score was Ryan Nugent Hopkins, and he had sixty one points in sixty five games. Yeah, I mean. Three and even in itself, three would be nice. Oh gosh, yes. Four, I think, is is going to be pushing it a little bit. Um, and you know, maybe it's easier to do it in a fifty-six game season versus an eighty-two game season. You know, to maintain that pace for three and a half months versus five-ish. So the the line in Boston that has a nickname that I do not enjoy and will not say. Yeah, let's not. But it's Bergeron, Pasternak, and Brad Marchand. A good line. A very good oh, line. A great line. Maybe uh, not perfect. But but a very great good, line. Yeah. Bergeron had fifty six points in sixty one games. Now the other two players, you know, Pasternak had ninety five and seventy, and Marchand had eighty seven in uh seventy. Marchand is it it's Marchand again. It was Marchand and now it's Marchand. That's yeah, whatever. But you know, that's not even that line. Everybody had a point per game. So it, it's just a tough thing to do. So we'll send it back. Yep. But uh, thanks for sending that in, guy on the couch. And hey, you too can send one in at any time. If you have Call a question. In, if you will, yes. If you have a question, a comment, a shout out, you know, whatever. 919-500-7819. That's 919-500-7819. 919-500-7819. Or you can tweet at us using the hashtag Canescast. Canescast, not Canes Cats, because that's, that's completely different. different. That's yeah. a different thing. It's usually a calendar for the SPCA. But we're accepting your calls, your voicemails. Thanks for sending those in. Sorry it took us a little longer to get to most of them, as you could probably tell. But thanks well, for bearing with us. And I hope everyone enjoys uh, this new podcast release day of Wednesdays. I know it's only been a couple of weeks, I kind of like it. I enjoy it. Yeah, it's I've a, been enjoying it. It's a nice so. midweek uh, snack. 
Oh, I thought you were going to add nope, to it. That's it. Please go on. Period. <laughs> when in Rome? Exclamation mark. <laughs> um, this one from. Uh, oh, we, we got have one. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. it's, a, it's, it's in. It's even another one of these. We'll give uh, Will Ferrell more credit. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Because it just came in yesterday. I was looking for it and didn't see it until yesterday. All right. Uh, although I think it was asked before. I think we might have answered it. Someone in the NHL will score a lacrosse goal this season. Uh, yes, sure. Yeah, I'll probably. take it. Yeah. That um, once once it once that wall gets broken down, you'll start to see more and more of it. Yeah, I think uh, Svechnikov might at some point this season. Although the the only tough part about it is teams are going to look for it. Yeah, like no. when you see a guy go behind and, and flip his wrists over to try to pick up the puck, yeah, defensemen they, are going to know what's what's coming. Out. They know it's coming now. They've seen. I can guarantee you they've seen the highlight. Yeah. Highlights. Several times. Yeah. And if they play a certain video hockey game, I don't know if you mend fences with EA yet or not. I It comes and goes. Okay. But uh, NHL 21, it's in the game. It so, is in the game. It's literally <laughs> It's literally in the, in game. the game. So there you have it. That's all I've got. You got anything else? Thank you. Nope. Perfect. No, I think uh, I think we tied this one up nicely. Put a little bow on it. Put a bow on it and send it out to the world, and hopefully you all enjoy it, and hopefully you all enjoy it uh, alongside maybe a storm brew. As well you should. Which is just 97 calories, 2.4 carbs per serving, the official beer of the Carolina Hurricanes, and the proud sponsor of Cane's Cast. And it's brewed by R&D Brewing. They have several delicious beverages that you can enjoy any time of year. And remember, go out to your favorite grocery store or at Costco, Pick yourself up a 12-pack, a 6-pack, a case of whatever your favorite R&D beverage is. But, of course, Storm Brew, perfect alongside the Carolina Hurricanes broadcasts and, of course, Canes cast. Which uh, broadcasts return on Thursday, which uh, alongside the Hurricanes, who return to the ice on Thursday here at PNC Arena, hosting the Tampa Bay Lightning, following that up with a two-game set against the Dallas Stars, all here in Raleigh. Uh, team will then head uh, out to Chicago for a couple games, uh, coming back to Raleigh in between all those two game sets, but it's yeah. going to be uh, six straight on the road before the team uh, gets back here in mid February. Yeah, so that'll do it for this episode, one sixty of the Canes Cast for the Webs, Michael Smith and TV's Mike Meniscal. We will talk to you next week. Moi moi. Thank you. Thank you all for listening to this <laughs> podcast. <laughs>